Do you struggle with self-control when it comes to your online behavior? If so, Plucky might be the filter you need. With Plucky, you decide ahead of time which sites are safe for you, and then Plucky locks in your settings to keep you from self-sabotaging in a moment of temptation. It's a self-control filter that helps your long-term intentions win out over your short-term compulsions. Take courage, take control, get Plucky. To learn more, visit PluckyFilter.com. That's Plucky, P-L-U-C-K-Y, Filter.com. Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken Ministries. Be Broken's mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. Today's guest is Matt Winger, the clinical director of Boulder Recovery in Boulder, Colorado. Matt has a heart for helping men overcome all kinds of unwanted sexual behaviors by addressing the whole man, including trauma from his past. In today's episode, we talk about recovery as a means and an environment for addressing all aspects of a man, his emotions, spirit, intellect, and body. True recovery is far more than just stopping negative behaviors. It's addressing the overall person to affect healthy growth. Matt shares some common elements that often lead a man towards sexually compulsive behaviors and how to heal and discover a thriving life of freedom and joy. To learn more about Matt and their programs and resources, visit boulderrecovery.com. For even more resources, visit bebroken.com or check out links in today's show notes. And please rate and review the podcast after listening to help others find it. Now let's dive into today's conversation with Matt. All right, Matt Winger, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, I was I was excited to be able to get you on the program. Um, you know, we had a, a great conversation at the Sexual mm-hmm. Integrity Leadership Summit earlier this year, and I just um, I really love what you guys do at Boulder. And I was like, man, we've got to get. I feel like there's such a um, kind of a kindred spirit in terms of the way we we want to approach recovery ministry and and dealing with people yeah. who are really really struggling. And so I wanted to have you on for that, but. Tell us a little bit about um, kind of your history. How did you get into this kind of work? And maybe also introduce our listeners to uh, to Boulder Recovery and what you guys do. Yeah, so uh, Boulder Recovery is a 14-day um, uh, intensive for men struggling with uh, sex and porn and intimacy disorders. Um, we approach it through a, a trauma lens. So we believe that sexual addiction is rooted in trauma and it's arisen to help regulate a a dysregulated nervous system that's been dysregulated by, by trauma. But our um, heart is to bring that, um, that clinical uh, mindedness, that clinical precision, um, the tools that are available in the field to uh, Christian men in particular that are struggling with this, um, this issue. And we know, and, and I know, you know, that this is a epidemic in the Christian community and, uh, we believe that Christian men have to approach it uh, differently uh, because our our heart, our uh, the way that God has made us is be, to be in connection with Him, and addiction disrupts that connection, that connection with ourselves, connection with who God is, who God's designed us to be, and so we really believe that Christian men have to encounter recovery from this addiction in a different way than men that. Uh, might not be believers. And so we wanted to create a program 
that address that. So we're going to integrate um, the clinical tools and also uh, spiritual healing and the gospel um, in, in a way that maybe not other places are, are really exploring and um, uh, to, to, you know, to treat the whole person, to treat the whole Christian man. Um, I got into this, you know, to answer the second part of your question, kind of through the side door. So I'm not in recovery. Um, I just started out as a therapist treating children who were uh, in traumatized homes, so or been traumatized from their homes. So they were, you know, abuse, uh, drug addiction, homelessness, you know, for children, you know, six to eighteen years old. And I really enjoyed working with those kids and and br- helping them find some healing and some meaning and some tools to, for how to navigate their world and their life and their relationships. Uh, but when I moved out to Colorado, my family, I was uh, looking around for work and I just answered an ad from a, from a CSAT, a sex addiction uh, therapist professional. And he was looking to bring on a, a new therapist. And I said, I don't really know anything about sex addiction. And he's like, well, don't worry about that. I can teach you all about that. What I'm looking for is a, is a trauma therapist that can work with our guys. And, you know, a few years later, I was the clinical director of the, the uh, practice. And then, um, you know, uh, and then Boulder Recovery was born out of that um, a few years ago. Yeah, well, that's great. And one of the things that I really wanted our conversation to revolve around today was that idea of, of treating the whole man. Um, when it comes yeah. to recovering from all kinds of sexual addiction issues, sexual brokenness issues. So can you share with us, first of all, why is it important to address more than just symptoms of a sexual addiction? Well, sympt- it, you, put, you put it correctly in the, in the question. You know, they're just that, they're symptoms. You know, if I have um, a compulsive behavioral issue. Um, the the real question that I've always wanted to ask, not just of a sex addiction and porn addiction, but of all kind of compulsive behaviors and drug addiction and alcohol addiction, is why? You know, why why do I do these things? Why am I compelled to do these things? Why do I feel compelled to um, calm my system down or to wake it up to feel? Like, why why do I want to do that? Why do I feel like I need to do that? Is there a deeper uh, rooted um, issue here? And um, so when you're talking about symptoms, symptoms of, of, a, tr- of a, you know, a trauma related issue are, are you know, things that I'm going to go to to cope. And pornography is a, um, one of those things that can, you know, jumpstart those chemicals in the brain that can um, imitate in a, in a, in a very unhealthy way, you know, imitate intimacy and in, imitate connection and imitate, you know, all these emotional needs that all humans have without, you know, the, the, uh, going through the trouble of actually having intimate relationships and authentic relationships with other people. And so when I'm just dealing with the symptoms of, Hey, Hey, cut it out. Hey, stop that. Don't you understand that this stuff is is bad. Don't you understand that this is harming your life and the, your, your loved ones and your children and you know your career and on and on and on. You know, a lot of the guys and you know this and 
you know, close to probably a hundred percent of guys that we, that, that are struggling with this have tried that approach of just cutting out the behaviors, just trying to manage, trying to clamp down on the thing. And, and, um, it hasn't worked for them. And so, um, we have to engage then with the other parts of the system. And, you know, there's an intellectual part, there's an emotional part, there's a, a spiritual part, and there's a physical part. And if I'm just trying to engage with the intellectual part of like, well, I got to think differently about this, or I got to control my thought life, or I just got to, you know, clamp down on that, or just through the realm of the physical, like I have to, uh, develop, you know, um, guardrails and boundaries for this thing, but I'm not touching the emotional or spiritual parts of who I am in my recovery, man, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss, um, the why of why I do this. And I'm going to miss on probably the deeper level of healing that I need, not just to stop doing the thing, but to become the person that God's created you to be that can exist in wholeness and authenticity in all of the spaces of my life. Like, man, I recovery is not stopping a thing. Recovery is becoming, becoming a, a, the authentic version of yourself, becoming the person that God created you to be. Um, and that's what is actually really exciting about this work, not just helping people cut it out. You know, um, it's seeing people bloom into all four parts um, of, of who they, you know, of, of the person, you know what I mean? I definitely want to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. The idea of, of, of kind of casting vision or, or reframing the idea of what recovery is really all about. But you've mentioned a couple of times the, the issue of a trauma lens or dealing with trauma. One question I have sure. is in your, in your work, have you seen any kind of uh, common patterns of trauma that tends to lead men into pornography or other kinds of sexual acting out? And does that does that even matter in terms of being able to diagnose and treat them? In other words, if there are actually patterns to this, or is it sort of like, hey, it's all individualized to every single man? Yeah. Or do you see kind mm-hmm. of these trends or kind of bell curves and things like that around typical trauma? Yeah, it's just so funny that you asked me this question because so I have a really unique experience in working with guys in um, in sex addiction. So when I started, um, I got I worked under you know uh, a very seasoned CSAT for for two or three years, learning everything that I could, and but my exposure to the issue was in seeing groups of. 10 to 13 guys come through this two week program, you know, once or twice a month. And, and over the years, you know, I've gotten to see close to a thousand men, a thousand sex addicts, a thousand porn addicted um, people, you know, in the various shades of, of those intimacy disorders. And I mean, I don't know anybody who's, who's seen that many just volume of people. Um, you know, a lot of CSATs or a lot of people that work professionally, you know, they see maybe 30, 40 people, uh, you know, a year or something like that. Regardless, what I'm saying is like, I absolutely have been exposed to a, a pattern. 
And as I hear each one of these stories of the guys that come through our program and they're each one is special and each one is important and each one is um, worthy of the t- airtime. But in each one of these stories, a pattern has become very apparent. And it was very quickly in this experience that, that I noticed that people that had unmet attachment needs so what I call attachment wounds or trauma, um, attachment trauma, let's put it like that. People that had attachment trauma were much more likely to develop any kind of addiction. And that's kind of um, clinically, that's kind of common knowledge at this point. But for our guys, there's this combination of an attachment wound and an exposure to maladaptive sexual behavior. So. I can't count on my caregiver to care for me for one reason or another, and I am exposed to a maladaptive sexual experience. So a sexual experience that is um, not healthy for me at the time. So too much too soon or an invasive sexual experience or an abusive sexual experience or a confusing sexual experience, whatever it may be. And that runs the gambit of like, finding, you know, your uncle's porn stash or, you know, being molested by an adult, you know, whatever it is, it's a maladaptive sexual experience. And that couples with a need to care for myself because my caregivers are not, are not doing that. So now I have a a need to, uh, an attachment need, and I have a way to seemingly meet that need. And those things kind of wire together. And those you know, a lot of guys talk about the, the the elements of their addiction were present very early on, that they would go back to this, the, the, the stack of magazines, or they would even sometimes go back to their abuser and then because of the, of the ways that the, it made them feel. And they would go back to it again and again and again and, and to, to porn or to masturbation or, or whatever. And then these things kind of wire together in the brain. And I'm much more likely to do that in, uh, over the years than that's an that's the formation of an addiction mm-hmm. so when you ask me if there's a pattern there like definitely and um, the pattern is an attachment wound plus the maladaptive sexual experience and there's and i don't know how if we want to really get into the the nuances of that jonathan but the the attachment wounds are uh kind of fall into one of two categories and and briefly there's the uh kind of abuse category and what I call emotional vacancy. So either my home was unsafe or abusive for one reason or another, or it was in a home where it was emotionally vacant. We didn't talk about our feelings, you know, shove them down or, or, or try to perform or present, you know, in a certain way. But in both of those environments, I am not being uh, attuned to by the caregiver. I'm not being attached to, I'm not being cared for or nurtured or, made to feel safe or valuable or worthy or whatever it is. So there's this kind of itch that was never scratched. And then I get exposed to this thing. Now, as you're saying this, you know, one of the things that comes to my mind is, especially as you're talking about trauma and and recognizing that uh, when, when these types of things happen in childhood, there is a sense in which obviously that creates a wound, right? I mean, trauma is a wounding type of of, you know, whether it's a wound of absence, a wound of presence, like in an abuse or something like that, there's a sense in which um, somebody else's brokenness has gotten dumped into this child's life. 
And so in yes. that sense, there's a wound that needs to be healed, healed in that, that guy's life. But talk a little bit about how, is, how do we balance then the reality that there is a wound, but there's also a grown man that's in front of you that must then bear responsibility for choices he's now making. Because I see some people want to make these things mutually exclusive. Yeah. Either I'm a victim sure. or I'm fully responsible for everything I've done. And, and how, do you, how do you navigate that, not only with the man who's needing recovery, but some of the, the, the loved ones in his life? Um, that that reality that there's both a wound as well as responsibility that needs to be taken. Yeah, and again, you're putting it really well. You know, when I talk about this with our guys, because a lot of the the struggle in early recovery is the struggle to maintain my identity as a victim. Right, I had these things things happen to me as a young person. I didn't get my needs met. And I'm, there's some entitlement around that. Like now I'm going to get my needs met all the time. And, you know, I mean, maybe then they get caught and they say, well, you know, I was abused as a child. You know, isn't that sad? And it is. And it is. And their, their wounded family has a really hard time connecting with that because the addiction that arose to deal with that wound has done a lot of damage to them. And uh, so what I encourage our guys to do is to, um, and you know, I talk through this with them and, and, and my staff makes fun of me because I use this example a lot. And so sometimes they'll joke around and um, uh, change my wording a little bit. But the, the example is I have to be able to hold two truths at the same time. And addiction um, wants to make everything black and white. And we can talk about, you know, religiosity, you know, later, but religiosity also wants to make everything black and white, you know. Um, but in this case, I have to hold the two truths that I was a victim of trauma and I have now become a perpetrator of trauma. And these are both true. Mm-hmm. And I have to be able to hold both at the same time, one in each hand. If I let go of my identity as a victim and only hold on to my identity as a perpetrator, then, then I am a monster and I'm a really bad person. And I'm a piece of garbage and who would do this to their family and their loved ones or their wife or whoever. And a lot of guys are in that place, right? Of just that I'm, I'm a monster and I'm, and I'm, I'm beyond healing and um, I'm far too broken. Right. Well, that is going to get in my way of my recovery because that's not true. You know, and if I let go of my identity as a perpetrator of trauma and only hold on to my identity as a, of a, as a victim, then I don't have any responsibility or accountability for the choices that I've made in my addiction because I'm a victim here. And don't you see how this is all really damaging to me? And this, you get into that really weird sticky stuff with guys that are trying to enter into sobriety, enter into recovery, and they're saying, you know, oh, my wife is really mad at me and doesn't she understand how that makes me feel? I'm working really hard here and she looks at me like that or she talks to me like that or she cries all the time and doesn't she understand how that makes me feel? You know, And that's them holding on to this identity of that I am the victim here instead of recognizing what this addiction has done to her. Mm-hmm. I actually have to hold both of those things, that I was a victim and I have to honor that and I have to feel into that. And I have to empathize with that younger version of myself that experienced all of that hurt and pain. 
I have to draw from that. Other, I have to acknowledge that it exists and draw from it so I can feel through all my feelings. Because what I've done most of the time in this addiction is, you know, squashed all of that because it was, it was overwhelming and I, or I didn't want to face it or feel it. So I have to identify with that wounded part of myself, that victim part. But I also have to hold the reality that I've done a lot of damage. And like you said so well, those things are not mutually exclusive. And I have to hold both if I want to have a shot at recovery. So, yeah, and I I think that's a great way to put it. Uh, As we circle back around maybe to the, the four elements of a man that need to be addressed, you mentioned about the emotional, the intellectual, the spiritual, the physical can you start yeah. to help us understand when you've when, when when you're helping a guy kind of get a an accurate diagnosis, so to speak, of of where he's at and what's sure. going to need to be worked on in all four of those areas? What does that begin to look like practically, in terms of actually addressing each of those areas in a man's life? Because I can imagine there's there's guys that are listening now that are going, "Hey, I can kind of track with you, sort of philosophically, and I can and I can mm-hmm. even identify with a lot of stuff you're saying." But what does it start to look like practically for me to intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, and, and physically heal and recover? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we, we want to take it in stages and, and progressively deepen our work as we go. And that's what we're trying to do in our 14-day program. And I think that's kind of the, the 30,000-foot view of recovery in general. I kind of start intellectually i kind of start with a with a kind of a mental approach to my situation okay uh things are really bad i've just gotten caught or things have become overwhelming and untenable for me in this addiction so i need to do something about it so i want to learn about my addiction what's going on um within my nervous system what's going on um, within the my neuro uh, biology and tell me about what's what's going on. And so part of our program is that intellectual component that, hey, look at the what addiction is doing to you um, intellectually. What are the patterns here? Hey, let's talk about trauma from this intellectual point of view of what does it do to the body? And hey, have you experienced this abuse or this vacancy? And what is likely to come out of that of how you see yourself and how you see others and how you see relationships. And we're going to just encounter all of those things in, in a thoughtful way. It's not really um, engaging with my emotions yet. It's just these, this is what's going on. And, and if I want to get better, I need to intellectually assent to these things that are, that are going on. And then we want to move into um, the physical. The physical is, okay, now that I'm learning about what are these things that are going on in my body? Can I begin to feel them sensation-wise in my body? So can I feel the, the rapid heartbeat of when I go into fight or flight or the shortness of breath or that airy feeling in the pit of my stomach that makes it hard for me to, to breathe when I get uh, reminded of my trauma or things remind me of difficult situations from my past? Can I begin to allow my nervous system to exist uh, physically? Right. Can I encounter my emotions through the, the lens of my own body? You know, so a lot of guys want to just do recovery from the neck up. They just want to try to think, think differently about it. But we actually, God gave us a body and it's, um, it informs us on what, the, what matters to us. You know, anger isn't bad. It tells us what matters to us. And it, uh, 
one of the ways I can realize that I'm angry, you know, and we'll get to emotions in a second, but is by getting feeling into my body and, and understanding what my body is telling me. Why are my palms sweaty? Why are my muscles shaking? Why do I have blurred vision or why is my face getting red and allowing my body to feel in, in, in a nervous system capacity. And so it's, um, and we want to engage with that. So we're going to engage intellectually. We want to engage with our body physically. And then we're going to learn some tools around how to help my body calm itself down in some physical ways. But we're going to deepen the work even further after that. We're going to move into our emotions. Okay, so what is my body? What are the things from my past intellectually and my body telling me are about what I feel? Mm-hmm. And this is where a lot of guys want to get off the train because I don't mm-hmm. want to feel. This whole addiction is designed to, to make allow me to not feel, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so let's get into, well, anger is a really good entry point for a lot of, a lot of men. And what's underneath anger? Well, there's fear and there's sadness and there's hurt. And let's talk not just intellectually about these traumas from your past, but what do they, um, what do they kind of brand into you in terms of um, your emotions and how you feel about yourself and how you feel about, um, you know, your everyday environment and circumstances and allow myself to become connected emotionally and be vulnerable. And, and we're going to teach them words um, to, to describe their own emotions. You know, it's really funny when you start working with guys in early recovery, they really don't, um, they really don't know how to describe their emotions. And you say, how are you feeling? And they'll say, good, we're fine. Or, you know, they'll give you a, a statement like, oh, better than I was yesterday or, you know, whatever. But when you actually get, hey, that's not an emotion word. Hey, good's not an emotion word. What are you sad? Are you happy? Are you joyful? Are you angry? Are you frustrated? Are you irritated? Or what is it? And have them drill down and just begin to investigate themselves emotionally. Well, now we're really getting somewhere. But I, if I really want to deepen my emotional work, I have to tie those two together, the intellectual and the emotional and the physical. It has to run together because my trauma is all that stuff that I'm thinking about from my past and how is it connected and still present in my body and in my emotions right now. How did I feel about that stuff? How did that little kid feel about it? You know, is he being shut up? Is he being ignored? Is he being asked to go away? And then the you know, and, I, and I'm kind of speeding over this stuff, Jonathan, because, you know, there's we could probably talk for an hour and oh, a yeah. half or two hours about each one of these things. But the spiritual part is where I really get excited because now what I am doing is I'm going to integrate all of those things into encountering God and encountering Jesus, encountering myself as a, uh, a son of God, as his child, as his beloved. And how can all of that be true? How can I have all this uh, bad stuff that's happened to me, all this hurt and all this trauma, all this lingering effects in my body, this ineffective connection with my emotions? And and how and how is this still true that and, and all the addiction and all the evidence that I'm a really bad person? How can that all coexist with the fact that I am God's beloved son? Because I I can't get it together. I can't do it right. I can't beat this thing. And God must really not like me very much. And 
all we to come in with the gospel then and say, God wants you to be this integrated person. That's who he created you to be. And it, and you have to believe very, at the very top of this that you are worthy of God's love because he says so. And that's the connective thread through all these things for me is um, helping guys engage with that identity of who they are in Christ, regardless of their choices that they've made in their addiction. They have a lot to repent of and they have a lot to uh, be accountable for, but they are not, you know, uh, they're they not beyond not, the scope um, of God's love, right? Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And, um, and I can integrate all that work. And this is what's so exciting because a lot of guys don't think like this. They can integrate all that work into their relationship and restoring that deep relationship with God. They're like, I can think about God. I can feel in my body my relationship with God. I can have deep emotional experiences and intimacy with God. Um, and that's an all available to me in recovery. Because, you know, as you and I have talked about before, like, our trauma has not just affected our relationships with people, but it's affected our relationship with God. Where, where was he when that bad stuff was happening? Did he abandon me? Is he out to get me? Is he trying to punish me? And I have these really dysfunctional perspectives of who he is. And so all of these parts of who we are um, uh, need to be addressed and need to be, um, you know, renewed. Mm hmm. Well, Matt, this is this has been so good. I mean, we could go on a, a long time because uh, of just all the layers there are to this. I want to yeah. ask you one more question related to just the the recovery um, issue, and then and then ask you to to point people to your intensive, your website, anything else where you would like to to send our our listeners. Um, but just thinking of the guy that's out there listening right now. That is, maybe he's still in the dark. Maybe he hasn't confessed. Maybe he mm -hmm. hasn't come into the light. He's not shared this with anybody. Just what what word of hope would you give to a guy that's still feeling like, I don't know if I can enter into what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. There's a part of me that wants to, but I just don't know if I can take that step. What would you want to say to that guy that's kind of in that place? Wow, what a great question. I think what came up for me is the uh, um the word worth and i would want to say to this man that hey, you are worth recovery you are not a broken thing you are not a discarded thing you are worthy of healing and you're worthy of a real life uh, and a lot of guys they, they've lived with this addiction since they were young people so they don't understand what a real connected life could be for them um but, but isn't that exciting that that you could discover that and, and that you could find that and and you are worthy of having that because this addiction is its own punishment you know sometimes you know you are worthy of that and and not second to that but equal to it your family and your your wife and your your kids and everyone in your life they are worthy of a of a whole uh, person in you too, and man, I, I I would want them to feel that. I would want them to know that 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 this is not just possible for you, but it is um, it is the destiny that you were created for. And what you know, and the Bible says, you know, one day 
we are going to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus when we see him. And um, we will be restored to that person that we've always been created to be. Um, and that, and that's your birthright as a son of God. I, I want you so bad to discover that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just know. say right here, um, uh, for, for that man that's listening, uh, if you need to, uh, go back and listen to those last two minutes as many times as you need to in order for that message to resonate, not just in your mind, but all the way down into your heart where you recognize where you're not, where you're not j- rationalizing it or rejecting it or mm-hmm. pushing it away mm-hmm. or saying, yeah, but, uh, but you're actually able to finally get to a place where you say, I receive that. I receive that. That's that's true. And and may that then give you the courage to take that step of reaching out to Matt or to us or to just somebody that can help walk alongside yeah. you. So with that, Matt, where where can guys go uh, to get some of this um, healing work with you guys and, and your intensive? Yeah, so uh, boulderrecovery.com is our website. Um, that's where you can find information about our program and and um, sign up for the for uh, the the next one. Um, so it's B O U L D E R. So just like the city Boulder, Colorado, where we're located. Um, so I would direct people there. We our admissions people are excellent, and they're ready to take your phone calls if you find the number um, on the website as well. So um, you know, Jonathan, like. My heart, my vision for this program is not that it's the end-all be-all of recovery, but that it can really help guys get a running start into a new way of living, a new way of encountering their their work, a new way of thinking about sobriety, um, and to enter in, into a process of healing. And we want to partner with people within their community to continue that work because two weeks is not going to uh, finish that process. Um, so whether or not you end up signing up with us and coming to see us out in Colorado or you, you know, like you said, get connected with Be Broken or, or um, you know, other resources out there. We just want to see men in the church get better. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. Yeah, that's our hope, too. Well, Matt, this has been a great conversation, and we'll be sure to put all of that information in the show notes so that people can get access to it. But thanks for what you're doing and uh, keep, keep on keeping on in what you're doing. So uh, but thank you for being here with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It, you know, it's a pleasure, and I, I could continue on and on about this stuff. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's a pleasure to be invited. Yeah, well, we feel the same way. I mean, life transformation should get us jazzed and passionate about trying to help other people. <laughs> uh, when we see God yeah. grab a life and and change it, I mean, there's just nothing like it. And um, we want to see the whole man recovered. And, and so I think this has been a great conversation to help men with that. And uh, listeners, um, we're going to put all that information about Boulder recovery in the show notes, please go check them out. Um, and if you need more help, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to help you. Uh, even if we're not the place that you land, we're always wanting to help you take your next best step, but we're glad you're with us. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the pure sex radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.